how do we live fearlessly? That's uh, how our week begins. Happy Monday, and thanks for joining us for another week on the podcast. The question today comes from a listener named David. Here's his email. Pastor John, hello. My question is about 1 Peter 3.15. Various translations say things like this. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. That's the ESV. And pretty much the same as the Holman Christian Standard Bible, which calls us to honor Christ with our hearts. But the King James Version translates it, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Uh, the New Living Translation says, worship Christ as Lord of your life. The NIV says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. So honor, sanctify, worship, revere. Uh, what does this Greek lemma Hayazo mean, and how would you apply it to our lives? This passage, 1 Peter 3, 14 to 16, has a special place in my heart because I can remember preaching on it my very first months in the pastoral ministry at Bethlehem in 1980. And the insight that I got Then, when I was preparing for that message, I had never seen before. Hmm. And it was so significant to me that when I I saw this question, I said, I want to do that. (laughs) I want to go back there and and retell this story, retell this exegesis, because what I saw there, I've never forgotten. It relates directly to David's question about how to translate verse 15, which in the ESV uh, goes but in your heart honor Christ the Lord as holy. And David wants to know what that phrase means in this context and, and then in our lives. So let's, let's put the text in front of us. I'll start with verse, uh, maybe in the middle of verse 14. Even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, even if you should, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts Honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So three kinds of observations bring clarity to the meaning of verse 15, the first part that that David is asking about. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. And the first observation is the words themselves and how to translate them, here's the most literal rendering I can give. The Lord Christ sanctify in your hearts. So sanctify the Lord Christ in your hearts. And the word sanctify is the word that's behind all these translations. Worship Christ, revere Christ, honor Christ as holy. And all of them are trying to avoid the word Sanctify in English probably, and probably wisely, um, because we usually think of sanctify as overcoming sin and becoming more Christ-like, and that won't work when we're talking about sanctifying God. It's just an odd sound, and so other words are chosen to try to make it more clear. But the word sanctify at root means set apart for some sacred purpose or consecrate, and in God's case, it certainly involves revering and honoring and worshiping, recognizing his holiness, his transcendent purity, 
and feeling the beauty and greatness and preciousness of that holiness, that transcendent purity. So all of these translations have elements of truth in them. And I think honor Christ as holy comes as close as we can get to sanctifying Christ. That is, recognize God as supremely, transcendently pure and beautiful and valuable, and we're going to see dreadful in a good way. I'll come back to that in a minute. Here's the second way we get clarity with this phrase in verse 15, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Let's see what's on either side of it, what comes just before in front and what comes just after it behind. So just just before these words in front are these words, have no fear of them, referring to persecutors, have no fear of them. Then comes, but honor the Lord Christ as holy. So honor the Lord Christ as holy is somehow an alternative to being afraid, having fear of those who persecute. Then behind the words, after them, uh, in verse 16, after the words, uh, honor the Lord Christ is holy, come these words, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you. So it seems that in Peter's mind, the instruction to honor Christ the Lord as holy would be a means to helping you be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is in you. So in front of the words, he says, have no fear of your persecutors. Behind the words, he says, be ready to tell why you are hopeful. And in between, he says, honor Christ the Lord as holy. So now hold, let's hold on to that and you'll see why that fearlessness in front and hopefulness in the back are significant. So here's the third, and this was this was what in 1980 uh, was new to me. I'd never made these connections, and they've stuck with me ever since. the The key that I had never seen before when I uh, was reading this text was that it's a quotation from Isaiah eight. 12 and 13. So here's, here's what Peter read in Isaiah that was so relevant to his situation that he adapted it in this context. Here's what Isaiah 8.12 says. Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread now, in the Septuagint, in the Greek Old Testament, those last words are the exact words that Peter uses for not to be afraid or troubled by your persecutors. So that's a direct quote there. In verse 13 in Isaiah 8, But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Same word, hagiasate, in the Greek Old Testament, sanctify. Sanctify the Lord, Yahweh. Not Jesus, but Yahweh, which he's going to apply to Jesus. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary for you. Now, Peter takes these words 
do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. And he quotes them in verse 14. Have no fear of these vaunted persecutors around you. And then he sees that the solution that Isaiah gives to fearing man is a holy fear of God. Honor the Lord as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. And in place of honoring the Lord Yahweh as holy, Peter says, honor the Lord Christ as holy. This is what the New Testament writers do repeatedly. Christ becomes the fulfillment, the the incarnation of Yahweh. And what was true of Yahweh then is true of Christ now. And by implication, let him be, let Christ be your fear. And let Christ be your dread as you regard him as holy. Now, that may seem a very odd way to combat the fear of man. Replace it with the fear of God. But the next phrase in Isaiah 8, 14 just blew me away then, still does. It explains how this works. It says, let him be your fear, let him be your dread, and he will become a sanctuary. (laughs) Amazing. Mm. It's amazing. God becomes a safe, hope-filled sanctuary from his own wrath, from our enemies, when he becomes our dread. Hmm. Now, how does that work? I think it works like this. When it becomes more fearful, more dreadful to us to dishonor God by trusting, by failing to trust his promises, when that's more dreadful to us than being persecuted by our enemies, then those very promises of God become a sanctuary for us. They become our hope. So now the words, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, include the meaning, let him be your fear, let him be your dread, not your persecutors, and he will become your sanctuary, your solid place of hope. So both the words in front then, of verse 15 and and afterwards behind get their meaning from the meat in the middle of the sandwich the bread on top the word the words in front say don't be afraid of your persecutors and the meat in the middle explains because when you honor Christ as holy that is when you're you dread distrusting Christ more than you dread your enemies he will be a hope-filled sanctuary for you and you don't need to be afraid and then the bread the slice of bread that's on the bottom of the sandwich the words following that say always be ready to give a reason for your hope is explained again by the meat in the middle of the sandwich when we honor Christ as holy When we dread distrusting him more than we dread our adversaries, he is a reason for our hope that we can give to anybody. Hmm. I've never forgotten, Tony, I've never forgotten that key from Isaiah 8, 12. Don't let men be your dread. Let God be your dread, which at first sounds, well, that's not a happy solution. (laughs) Oh, but it is. Dreading distrusting God, dreading, distrusting God, turns into a sanctuary. 
He becomes a sanctuary. He will become your reason for hope, and he will become the ground of your fearlessness before your adversaries. Amazing. And of course, we have access to that that very sermon from October 19, 1980, preached by 34-year-old John Piper 42 years ago. I'll pull a clip from it. And uh, as we as we ask the question, what's the big deal with fearing man anyways? That's next time. We'll revisit that sermon. Thank you for joining us today. You can ask a question of your own, search our growing archive, or subscribe to the podcast all at desiringgod.org forward slash askpastorjohn. I'm Tony Ranke. We'll see you on Wednesday.